Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 15th episode from the PJ Archive. It's an interview I did with the American singer-songwriter Billy Joel. It was 1989, he was 40, married to supermodel Christy Brinkley with whom he had a young daughter Alexa Ray, and they'd all come to London where he was promoting his album Stormfront and its outstanding single We Didn't Start the Fire. Are you very pleased with it? Yeah, that's why I'm here. Yeah. I don't usually do all this stuff. Right. And it's kind of unnatural, but if you've worked so hard on something and you want to give it the best shot it can get, mm-hmm. so you do this. Is this basically what you've been trying to achieve for a long time? I would say it's something I've achieved for a long time, and this particular album, I'm pleased with the way it came out. It was mm-hmm. what I wanted it to be before I started the project. Yeah. Um, you always hope to come up with something good at the end that that you had fun doing Mm. because even if it's good but you didn't have fun doing it there's something wrong about it Mm -hmm. It if it was too much of a struggle you've given up a piece of your life uh, to come up with something good as if the end uh, the the means justify the end but the means are also part of it too Mm. you must be pleased with it if you're going to go on tour for two years on the strength of it basically it could be that long I mean if the album is, is still going and if there's still a demand for us to play and we're going to stay out there yeah albums tend to represent phases of people's lives mm-hmm. what kind of a phase do you think this represents of yours big change big change in my life different band working with, with a different producer different attitude I was thinking more personally do you think it represents a personal phase of yours well I guess they all do really I mean it's been three years since I did a studio album yeah three years is a long time in a life um yeah, sure. I, I don't know what yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take me at least a year till I have the perspective on why I wrote the album. Yeah. Uh, because I've done albums and people have asked me, well, why did you do this album? Why did you write such and such? Mm-hmm. And, and I, this question is stuck in my head and I, and I don't know if I answered it properly. And then a year will go by and I go, now I know why mm-hmm. I did that song. Mm-hmm. And now I know why I wrote that. It takes mm-hmm. a little bit of time. You, you just turned 40, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Has that been a big barrier for you? Mm-hmm. 40 was no problem. 30 was a trauma. Right. 30 was really, geez, 30, I guess I'm going to have to grow up. Yes. Because you can be a teenager through your 20s. Yeah. Uh, 30 was a real trauma, especially if you come out of the 60s. Remember the old, don't trust anyone over 30. Well, there I was. Mm. Now I'm not trustworthy anymore. Mm. Which didn't happen, of course. But mm. I think it's an artificial barrier that you create for yourself. 40 came and went, no problem. Mm. 40s. You know, so I'm probably not really going to be 40 until I'm 43 or 44 mm-hmm. or anyway. I'm always a couple of years late. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think doing rock and roll music kind of keeps you younger anyway. I mean, I saw people at my 20th high school reunion. I was horrified. Guys as bald as an egg, and some guy looked like he was 60, and people looked like he was just beat up by life. I think, in a way, what I do, even though there's a lot of silliness to it, mm-hmm. has kept me younger than other people. The single you did, which is based on your 40 years, basically. Uh, lists a lot of things that went wrong with the world in that time. Well, there were things that were right with the world too, though. Yeah. But I, I think I tried to counterbalance it. I mean, I had, you know, Harry Truman, Doris Day. She was made the world a little brighter in her day. Mm-hmm. Red China, which was a big worry. Mm-hmm. And you had Johnny Ray, who was a big pop singer. Uh, South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe DiMaggio, they were all pretty positive. Mm-hmm. You gotta. My take on life is it's, you got to balance things out. I mean, uh, if, if things look pretty bad, there's always some good stuff going on. Um, but, I mean, is, 
do those wrong things they represent things that you've been worried about do you worry a lot about the world generally well of course I do I mean uh, everybody does you can't go through life and not worry about the state of things um, I sh but I'm sure I worry about things yeah, like everybody does but a lot of rock stars at the moment are turning into sort of environmentalists as it were they're going green as we say in this country are yeah. you very environmentally aware yeah yeah I am but I always have been See, I'm a fisherman, too. And I'm not just a sport fisherman. I worked as a commercial mm -hmm. fisherman before I was a rich rock star. Mm -hmm. uh, most of my life, I worked just regular working man jobs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked as an oyster man on an oyster boat in a place called Oyster Bay. And Oyster Bay no longer has any oysters. So what the hell does it call Oyster Bay for? <laughs> and now it should be called Sludge Bay. Um, and I've seen the ocean and the bays and the inlets and the harbors and the rivers gradually deteriorate. And I worry about, now i got a kid, what the hell is she going to have? You know, one, she's going to be surrounded by a cesspool. We live on an island. And I have, I have grave concerns about it. I don't believe in getting up on a soapbox and beating it to death. Yeah. Um, there's enough people doing that. I also think, just because I'm in a position of celebrity, that I have a right to beat people over the head with what I think my message is. I, I think the, the biggest message I can give is my music is trying to make life a little bit better by creating something beautiful. Getting and if there is a message within that, that's all well and good, but that shouldn't, that shouldn't take over what the initial art is, which is music. Do you worry a great deal about the future of your wife and daughter? Yeah, uh, more so for my daughter because in my wife I can think of in terms of my own lifetime. Once you have a yeah. kid, you start thinking in terms of the future of her lifetime. What are you doing about that? Well, I become involved with environmental groups. Um, not to the point where I get up on stage and give people a big speech about it, but to the point where I lend my name to support certain things. Um, and I know people like Sting and Madonna working with the Brazilian rainforest. I mean, to, to me that's not even environmental, it's elemental. You know, the air you breathe. Here I'm sitting smoking, I'm going to give this up in three weeks. Two weeks, maybe. Three weeks. Three weeks. For how the umpteenth time? No, I'd never tried to give up before. Oh, right. Yeah. This time I, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I got a kid, and I don't want her to say, Daddy, you know, why are you smoking? Uh, and she's getting to that age, and she's going to go, What is that? And that's it. That's the end of that. It's bad for you anyway. Um, I, I've lent my support to it. Um, I think these things are elemental. I don't even think they're a matter of environmental concern anymore. They, they have. To, if you can't breathe, you can't live. Um, if, if, if the water's polluted, you can't eat. Uh, if, if, if all the vegetables are covered with insecticides, you, you, you'll die from poisoning. I mean, it's just, it's just elemental. And it's, it's, you know what, I think it's a natural evolution, especially in the States. You know, our common enemy all my lifetime was a Cold War kid with the Ruskies. You know, they were the bad guys. Of course, I never bought into that. Uh, I never believed in that stuff. I believe, I believe their system is a piece of crap. But as people, they're not, they're not about to come over and conquer America. They, had, they lost 20 million in World War II. The last thing they want is another war. You know, half, Afghanistan was a half-assed war on there. They didn't want to fight that war, just like we didn't want to fight in Vietnam. But now that the Russians may not be the bad guys any longer, what are we going to turn our attention to? And it's obvious. It's, you know, we're choking in our own poison. So, yeah. But if reports to be believed, I mean, wasn't too bright for you a few weeks ago when you fell ill at the airport. What exactly happened? I and mean, how exaggerated has that situation been? What exactly was? The well, I didn't fall, collapse in agony at the airport. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've had kidney stones before. Right. 
uh, and they're very painful, and I knew what this was. And I was about to take the flight to England, and I was having a great deal of pain. But old, no, Macho Bill, he was going to get on that plane. Macho man, I'm going to get on the plane. And I was in agony, and my wife was with the airport. She says, don't go, don't go. Joe, she calls me, Joe, don't go, please don't go. She said, at least call the doctor and ask him. I called the doctor and said, should I get on a plane now? I'm having a spasm, kidney stone spasm. He says, don't get on a plane. Come in to the hospital. We'll check it out. I walked into the hospital. I said, this is, I'm having terrible pain. What should I do? They said, why don't we just take the thing out? And that's all that happened. And I had surgery. It was only a few weeks ago, two weeks ago. I said, there aren't going to be any you know, you never know in the long run what effect it's had on the kidney, but I'm a healthy guy. Yeah. And a superstitious guy, too. Right. Uh, but I've had them before. They're not life-threatening uh, unless you, you know, you don't pay attention to it. But it was suggested that perhaps you were ill because of the pressures about the legal action the manager and all that sort of thing. Is there any truth in that? Well, the doctor did, to, well, a urologist said, you know, stress can bring on a kidney stone spasm. I mean, the stone forms because of a physiological thing. Yeah. Um, it's calcium or something. Um, but stress can lead to a spasm. There may be something to it. I, I don't know if I buy into that. Uh, but how bad has that episode been for your business and how bad for your confidence as well? For business, it's been horrendous. I mean, I could be wiped out. Well, I'm not. As far as I know, I am ready. And, and how big the hole is that's been left, I don't know. Uh, but I'm an optimist. I'm not worried about that. I, I worry about it for my daughter's sake because I don't want her future to be taken away from her. Have you got a new manager now? Are you managing things I'm not, not. Nobody's managing me no more, ever again. I don't need no managers. I don't need anybody advising me right. how to make music or when to put out albums or what to do. Uh, I'm going to manage myself, for better or worse. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. How much support has your wife been through all this, through your, part of your illness and also through this whole legal business? She's been fantastic. She's been great. Uh, she, she wanted me to look into business matters a long time ago. I didn't. She's a lot smarter than I am about that. I'm not a businessman. I'm becoming more of one, but it's not my motivation for doing what I do. Do you think generally it's easier for her to understand your problems because she's a celebrity as well? Mm -hmm. She's been taken advantage of as well. Mm. She knows the game. She knows the pressures. She likes the fact that I'm an artist. She likes that about me. She's much more practical about those things yeah. than I am. But how do you manage to keep the marriage alive under such constant pressure all the time? Well, in a way, it's a testimony to the marriage, yeah. because there's been a lot of pressures, you know, financial. And I mean, people think we've got it made. You know, they look at me and say, man, you got it made. you got to marry a beautiful wife. You're famous. You're loaded. They don't know my life from the inside. They don't know what kind of financial um, skullduggery this has been going on. And, I'm, and having a marriage is not, you know, uh, anybody who's married knows it's got its ups and downs. It's just like everybody else. And most, one of the most difficult things in the world to do is keep a relationship together. And if you want to, you will. Um, and fame, fame is nothing to be desired. I must tell you, fame is nothing but a pain in the neck. Um, and it's fun for, for the first, you know, few months, you know, people recognize, you know, and it gets, but it gets old real quick. Sure, sure. How has your relationship changed, you know, in the five years that you've been married? 
we have a child, that's changed the relationship considerably. We have a lot more at stake in the relationship. It appears to some people that her career has taken something of a back seat because of, you know, because of you, because of who you are. Is that the case at all? I don't think so. I think she's gotten choosier about the work that she's done. Right. She became a mom, so she put aside a lot of the work she did to be a full-time mom. We don't have a nanny bringing up our child. She's a full-time mom. Um, she's been very successful in her career and doesn't work as much as she did. And that's basically the reason, because she doesn't have to. Um, and it's her decision to make, really, what she's going to do. She's as much in demand as she ever was, even more, because she's taken herself out of what was, you know, the height. She was really hot, and she just walked away and now there's a demand you know and, 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 and there's more women closer to her age now than ever before who are interested in her so I think she represents uh, beauty at that age mm. you know. there used to be a story about you I don't know if it's true or not please put me about that you used to um, be unable to pull the girls when you were younger and, and, and yet you just got around the piano and they all came flocking is there any truth in that? Uh, I, it's not that I was unable to pull the girls I just didn't have the confidence to do it. I was shy. You know, I was better looking guys. And I hated rejection. And, you know, I don't think I'm ugly. I don't photograph too well. Uh, I don't think I'm bad looking. Uh, you know, look, I don't think guys really have to be that great looking. I think yeah. uh, a man has character and a, and a good personality and some warmth or, and a talent in some way and can be just as attractive to women. But when I played the piano, I was able to meet women. It was an introduction. You know, some guys buy a car, try to meet women, or some guys dress a certain way, the plumage, what have you. Um, I suppose my plumage was music. Mm. Is that how you met Christy? Yeah, playing the piano. That's how I always met women. <laughs> you know, I got an 18-year-old brother. He lives in this town. He's a great piano player. He's going to, he's going to law school at King's College here. And he's, you know, he's having, he's wondering about, well, it's, you know, completing school or should I become a musician? I said, do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I know in the back of his mind, because he's 18, he's thinking, but well, how am I going? What's the best way to meet women? Mm -hmm. And probably it's being a musician, mm -hmm. because women are attracted to beauty, mm -hmm. and not just in the physical form, but in the uh, aesthetic form. And music is beautiful. And I told myself, right. So I met women. Now I don't. I don't mean that to come off sounding shallow, because I think that's a big part of what he, being a human being is. You know, is wanting to meet pe other people and, and, and wanting to interact with people. You know, well, a great many men would have given anything to marry Christy Brinkley. Uh, how, how does it feel to be the envy of so many men? Basically? What do you think? <laughs> It's kind of funny. I mean, a friend of mine is married to Kathleen Turner. Okay, she's a really great lady. They're a great couple. He's, he's had some problems dealing with I don't like it when she goes out and wears this kind of tardy outfit and all these guys are staring at her. And I feel exactly the opposite. I feel like, yes, yeah, so check it out, but don't touch. <laughs> you know, isn't that great? What would, they, what would you do if they touched? I'd probably get in a fight. You would? Oh, yeah. Well, somebody kind of pat your wife's behind, you know, you're, you're going to smack that guy's lights out. Do you get jealous? Do I get jealous? If I go to a movie and my wife is like making a big deal about Mel Gibson, yeah, <laughs> I'll get bugged. 
but I don't get jealous of that often. I have a lot of confidence. Does she give you that confidence? Probably a lot of it comes from her. Sure, she married me. I mean, that gave me a hell of a lot of confidence. You took quite a long time to get off the ground career-wise. Does that struggle sort of um, make you appreciate more what you've got now? I think so. I think it's kept me a little more level about it. Yeah. Um, I've been doing this since I was a professional musician since I was 14. Mm. So what to, to some people make appear to be overnight success mm -hmm. in some ways wasn't. I, I worked for years and years and years and years. Most of my life I've been doing music. And I got a, I think I have a pretty good sense of humor about mm -hmm. you know, the celebrity part of it. But to me it's a, it's a big joke because mm -hmm. I know who I am and I know where I come from. Mm -hmm. And I'm hanging out with Kathleen Turner mm -hmm. and Paul Simon and Paul McCartney and you know, it's, and part of me is going, I don't believe this. <laughs> and the other part of me is, is going, hey, this is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, for however long it lasts, uh, and if it doesn't last, okay, it was fun. Do you just have one home in Long Island, is it? Yeah. And that's it? That's it. Events have happened around the world. Well, I had an apartment in Manhattan. We had an apartment in Manhattan. And we started building a house way out on the East End. The house just took a long time. We got ripped off yeah. by the contractor and the architect. And we sold the apartment. Sting bought the apartment, actually. Yeah. I was praying for a rock star. Thank you, Sting. And we moved lock, stock, and barrel out there. So we live in a cottage while the big house is being right. built. Right. But that's where we live. That's it. We don't are have you, houses all over the world. Are you big spenders, though? You together? No. No, we're not. As a matter of fact, the, what we spend, have been spending money on is the goddamn construction bills mm -hmm. because we got ripped off. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're not jet setters. We don't fly off and mm -hmm. charter Lear jets to uh, exotic islands or, you know, buy jewelry or art or... Uh, Although we should have invested in art, that would have been great. Right? These stupid investments this other guy got me into. But I don't think this is a fair comment on, but you seem to be much more of a dapper dresser since you met her. Would you say that she's helped you with uh, fashion or stuff like that? Just oh, yeah. She got me to throw out all this stuff I was wearing all the time. She said, throw those out. I hate those. I don't think I'm more of a dapper dresser. I think I'm rather conservative, really. Yeah. She was, she's wanted me to get a little more daring and risque in what I'm going to wear, but I, you know, I'm, I'm just like a conservative dresser. Um, but do you teach her about music in return, as it were? I'd like to think that I've educated her about music, but she's she likes what she likes. You know, she's she's pretty much her own person. What does she think of your shades? Because you're always wearing your shades. Well, she gave me these. Oh, did she? Yeah, she turned me on to Ray-Bans. I mean, I used to wear these yeah. aviator glasses. She goes, oh. nah, Ray-Bans. Yeah, I was going to ask you where you get them from, actually. She gets, them, she gets bunches of them, and right. I just steal hers. Right. right. We well, share clothes. I mean, you know. Right. She has great shirts. I said, oh, can I wear that? She'll steal my stuff, you know. What, what do you like doing? Not home? underwear, right. mind you. <laughs> but what about uh, when you're at home, they're relaxing. What do you like to do that we can take you together we can talk about? Aside from that, <laughs> we, uh, we, um, we like to go out to sea on boats. We live near bays and oceans. and um, She's the sailor. I'm the stink potter. I have a fishing boat, and I go out on my boat, and that's how I get away from things. Mm -hmm. uh, we like being with our daughter and just doing family stuff, mm -hmm. real boring, mundane things that I really enjoy, to tell you the truth. We like going to the movies, yeah. going out to dinner, staying at home, cooking, making a fire, just being together as a family, to tell, to tell you the truth. Because the rest of our life is so insane yeah. that what most people consider mundane are very important to us, yeah. you know, thus 
little things. Yeah. But for your work and your creativity, don't you need to spend time completely on your own, irrespective of the family? When I'm writing, I need to get out of the house and go away and write. Yeah, I need to woodshed, mm -hmm. sure. But I find that I need just as much time being together with my family and learning about being a human being mm -hmm. Because the wellspring of art to me is humanity. Yeah. And you can't learn about humanity until you're a human being. I, I don't believe in that thing of being an eccentric hermit. Yeah. Where you have no contact with humanity. Where, where, where you're an elitist to the point where you have no touchstone. Mm. Um, I spend as much time as I can being a family man before I can write. Matter of fact, it took me quite a long time to, to write the album this album since the last album I wrote because it was very uh, I, I had to get back in touch with my own humanity which was being a family man. What kind of a family are you would you say? Well we're I don't know pretty normal really I mean we go shopping at the supermarket we we don't go out and do crazy things we do pretty normal things you know. What kind of a father are you and what kind of a mother is Christy? She's a great mom she's a natural mother I mean, just, I mean our kid isn't being brought up by a nanny I mean Christy is, is a mom. Mm -hmm. um, I like to think I'm a good father. And my daughter and I have a very special relationship like fathers and daughters do. She's real musical. My kids are brilliant. She's got perfect pitch, which I don't have. I have relative pitch. So... Are you quite strict with that? Well, she's not going to be a spoiled brat. I mean, she's got dad wrapped around a finger, as all daughters have dads. But she has... She's has to learn manners and, she, and be polite and say please and thank you and nothing's going to get handed to her on a silver platter. She'll be able to travel probably more than other kids just because of my job. That doesn't mean she's going to get to see everything. A lot of times it's just a hotel room in an airport. And now for the second part of my 1989 interview with Billy Joel, which took place in the back of a limo driving through central London. Hey, how normal a life are you able to leave? Um, how normal a life I leave? I don't know, look, I got a funny job, man. This is, this is a weird gig. Uh, I wouldn't call it normal, but when I'm home, I'm as normal as anybody else. If you call that normal. But how normal can you make it for your daughter? Well, tell you the truth, it's something she's going to have to learn how to deal with. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the sooner she learns, the better she's going to be about it. And there's no way that we can make it stop, and we can't go through life with her putting a paper bag over her head. Yeah. So it's something she's going to have to learn to deal with. One of the one of the downsides of the, of the gig. How much time do you spend working and how much time with your family? Well, I spend more time with my family than I spend working. Right. Even though I go on the road for a year and a year and a half, it's broken up. The tour is broken up, so when I go home, uh, when I've got time off, I just go and spend it with my family. I don't do anything else. And when I'm on the road, we make arrangements for them to be with me yeah. a lot of times. So I probably spend more time with my family than most people who work nine to five do. Mm. Do you anticipate spending more time with them as, or more time on your work as time goes by? Hopefully I'll spend more time with them. Yeah. I, I'm be, I'll tell you something, my family's very important to me and if, if my family was in any danger from the work I did, I'd walk away from my work in two seconds, man. I'd give this whole thing up. Right. But are, are you planning a larger family in, in Duke? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I want to have a couple more kids. Would you like them to be boys or girls? Or? I don't care. Healthy. But I mean, husbands usually want boys, don't they? Really? I wanted a girl. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Right. I wanted a little girl. You know, nice to have a boy. Nice to have another little girl like the one I got. Mm. Or or completely different. I, it's 
It's been so much fun. As long as they're healthy, I don't care what it is. Yeah. Do you think it'll always work? Though? I mean, you're going to bop to the drugs the same Well, I'm not. I may not work, and I probably won't work the same way I've been working, which would be these grinding tours. And uh, look, I'm 40. When I'm 50, I don't want to be competing with 16-year-old pop stars. It's a little bit silly, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I'm going to be making music in one form or another till the day I die. Look at mm. Toscanini and Irving Berlin and uh, Shostakovich. And these guys live to be old dudes. Mm. And a lot of the great composers wrote their best stuff older and uh, mm. later in life. So I'm just starting here, mm. you know. Do you, feel, do you feel greater pressure on you as you get older to produce stuff which appeals to today's audience? You know, there's always an unspoken pressure is, hey, look at the charts. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to make believe I'm something. I'm not. I, my, I think my success has come from always being straight ahead about who I am and where I come from and the age I am and speaking from my point of view. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to uh, cut my conscience to, conscience to fit today's fashions. It's a quote from uh, Lillian Hellman, and I, I agree with that. You mentioned movies earlier on. Do you fancy stepping into the movie business is a bit risky for a rock star, isn't it? it? You know what? It's not a matter... And it is risky for a rock star, and I agree with you, and, and I find that movie stars that want to become musicians have the same difficulty. Yeah, yeah. There's a um, credibility factor, which, to an extent, sh there should be a lot of cynicism about it. To tell you the truth, I have no desire to, to act. I'm camera shy. Uh, I never studied acting. I'll, I probably could be a good actor if I put my mind to it, but I'm very content of being a musician. I feel it's good enough for Beethoven, it's good enough mm. for me. And they send me these scripts, you know, piles of scripts, these plum parts, and part of me is saying, just because I'm famous, why should I waltz into a part that some kid has been starving for, mm. you know, and wants to be an actor with all his heart and soul, and I should just take it away from him because I'm famous? That's not right. Mm. You know, I, I, I have strong feelings about that. An actor should have the part, not a not a celebrity. Mm. Well, you said uh, earlier on that Alexa Ray is very uh, musical already. Yes, she is. Would you encourage her to go into the music business? If that's what she wants to do, uh, music business. Well, I guess if you're going to be a musician, you're going to deal with the music business. Mm. I would, if she has a talent for it, and, and that's her heart's desire, I would, I would encourage her to be a musician. Um, she'd, have, she'd have to learn about the music business. But whatever, whatever would make her happy, that's fine with me. Mm. If she wants to be president of the United States, fine. <laughs> chance to be a fine thing and for a woman, I suppose. But um, I think they'd be better at it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> now, when she gets to be a teenager, she's going to start going out with guys. Are you going to be a bit... Uh, Dad? Distant? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Thinking about buying a shotgun right now. <laughs> she loves boys. She's she's not even for you. <laughs> what are your hopes for her and your family? Well, I would hope that we would leave it, lead as healthy and, and as safe and as happy a life as possible, just yeah. like everybody else. Yeah. Kind of dull, really. Mm -hmm. Do you have an American dream? Well, I think the basis of the American dream is not money. I really think it started when our ancestors came over. You know, our ancestors were, were kicked out of every decent, God-fearing country mm. in the world, and they had the chutzpah and the courage to, to make the move when they couldn't speak mm. the language and they didn't have two pennies to rub together. And they came over there and made a new life. And I, I think it was the, the dream was the ability to f fulfill their potential. Mm. Not money. And I worry nowadays part of the reason there's an ethical wasteland out there is because of the greed factor and the money and the, the grabbing for the almighty dollar um my dream is to create music if you'd not gone into music what do you think you'd be doing 
I'd probably be dead or in jail. I'm serious, yeah. Music, I think, saved my life. Um, it's, it's, it's been responsible for all the happiness and the, you know, and the good things that have ever happened. Some bad things too, yeah. but I don't know if I would have had a motivation to uh, care about living. Uh, at one time, I even considered suicide. Yeah. Why? He was getting so bad. Well, I was that age. I was 20. I took myself a little too seriously, and uh, you know, raging massive hormones, and then broke up with a girlfriend. I wasn't making any money, and uh, it seemed like an option at the time. It was a pretty stupid attitude, but um, you never imagined feeling like that again. No, no, not for two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Not level-headed. I checked into an observation ward for three weeks because I was feeling suicidal, and then I saw people who really had problems. When you were 20, it was the same time. Yeah, I mean, I saw people kicking junk, homicidal maniacs, schizophrenics, uh, manic depressives, people having hallucinations. I said, whoa, whoa get me out of here. These people have problems. I'll never feel sorry for myself again. I swear, just let me out. They wouldn't let you out. You had to stay for three weeks. So once I got out, I said, that's it for that, you know. What happened to your boxing career? Well, it was never really going to be a career. I just did it because because it was something to do when I was that age. Um, and I was pretty good. I boxed for three years. The last guy I fought was a terrible boxer. He had no defense, he had no footwork, he had no style. But I couldn't hurt him. I'm jabbing, I'm jabbing, I'm hitting, I'm hitting, hitting. Boom, boom, it's bouncing off his head like it was made out of rubber. He gave me one shot, one big right hand. And it wasn't enough to knock me out, but I just laid down. I said, forget it. If he don't know I'm better than him and I am, and I can't convince him that I am better than him. Mm. In other words, this thing is there's always somebody better. Mm. He, and, and no matter how skillful I am, I can't hurt this guy. Forget it. There's no future here. Uh, how do you fancy getting a few rounds of Mike Tyson? Well, oh, come on. I mean, he's a heavyweight, <laughs> and I'm out of shape. My God, he's how old is he? 22 or something? I mean, he can he can write his own ticket. I'm not a big fan of heavyweights anyway. You know, I'm not a big fan of boxing at all anymore. I. I look back on it, I think it was really a crazy thing to do. Do you have many regrets at all about your career and your life? Uh, I, I regret being taken advantage of by unscrupulous people. Right. Uh, but what do I regret? I, you know, there's always a song here and there that you'd like to take back. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the hell. I regret probably... I don't regret the motivation to have said something in a moment of in a heated moment. Mm. I regret the action, I don't regret the, mo the impulse. Mm. Uh, I mean, I made a couple of enemies by shooting off my mouth, I'm mm. sure. But I'm a hothead. Mm. And I can't regret being myself. Mm. Uh, but sure, you have regrets. I, you know, anybody who says they, have, they don't regret anything is full of shit, I think. Of course you regret some. In this country, you're often regarded as this sort of the American Elton John. Do you take that as a, a compliment? I mean, a sort of, he does the same sort of range of songs. I I'm think of the American Billy Joel. I mean, I, I don't think me and Elton are that similar, except that we play the piano. Mm. And I and I and I love Elton. Mm. You know, but I, I don't take it. I I just really think it's a, it's a bad analogy mm. uh, because our music is very different. Mm. Would you ever like to have been anyone else? Though? Do you ever wish you were? Uh, once in a while, Albert Schweitzer, maybe. Of course, he's dead. Uh, so forget about that. Jonas Salk, Winston Churchill. You still have heroes. Oh yeah, sure I have heroes. Who are your heroes today? 
Well, uh, you mean that are living now? Mm -hmm. Who are my heroes today? Steve Winwood, mm -hmm. Ray Charles. Uh, are your friends as well? Do you have many friends in the business? Is it most uh, of your friends? So I have some friends in the business. Most of my friends are not in the music business, really. Here's a strange question. What's your most treasured possession, apart from Christie and Alexa Ray? My most treasured possession? It would be a choice between my piano and my Harley Davidson. <laughs> I got a nice bike. It's a, it's a good bike. Mm -hmm. I spent years getting that bike to be Elvis, Elvis Presley bike. You know, it's just like perfect. Mm. You, you travel around the world. Where's your favorite place? Martha's Vineyard or something? Nantucket would be one. Where I live is one of my favorite places. Uh, Vancouver, Canada. It can be New York depending on the mood. I love New York and I can't stand the place. Mm -hmm. You know, mostly places that are near the sea. Mm -hmm. Anywhere near the sea, I guess, if it's not polluted. How much did your parents encourage you to go into this business and how much did you owe to them? Um, my mom was always, hey, do what makes you happy. You know, God bless. Um, do what makes you happy. My dad split when I was pretty young, so uh, he wasn't around. Who do you feel you owe most of your success to? Who do I feel I owe most of my success to? There was a teacher I had in school who was the only adult at the time who actually said, yeah, you should go into music because everybody else I knew who was grown up said, you're going to have to grow up someday. You're going to have to get a real job. You know, you're going to have to face reality. And, uh, uh, you know, stop kidding yourself. And this was this teacher said, you should be a musician, you should go into music, you're good, you got a good ear, you got the talent for it. And it was a revelation, it was radical, you know, he was kind of the beatnik teacher in the school. So I would say it was a combination of him and my mom and the Beatles. Because I looked at the Beatles and they didn't come out of Hollywood and they weren't prefabbed. Uh, they were real guys writing their own music, playing their own instruments. And they looked like guys I knew. Mm. And they, they looked like they, they, they had a pretty good cynical view of the whole thing that was going on when they were on the Ed Sullivan show. I could see Lennon going, this is cocked. Uh, and I thought that was the coolest thing. And I said, I'm going to do that. That's what I want to do. It can be done. You know, you don't have to look like Fabian. Mm. You know, you can do it and look like the Beatles. They brought, they brought it right down to earth. Yeah, what, what's the favorite, favorite song that you've ever recorded? I can't answer that. I, 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 this, it's like asking which is your favorite kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite album? You know what? Again, it would be. It's usually the last album you did because that's your new baby. Mm. Like, hey, your kids are great. Yeah, but check out my baby. Yeah, it's my new baby. Mm. So it, right now, I'd say the newest album. But after a year goes by, it might be something else.